Right, well, I'm Prasadu, and what I want to do tonight is just give a little bit of context to what I'm going to say. This is the time-honoured thing that we do, isn't it? Tell you what we're going to say, and then we say it, and then we tell you what we've said. (laughs) I want to say something about um, this uh, fourth uh, Sangra Vastu, really, because it's already been said that um, there are different ways of thinking about it, different sort of translations. Um, And uh, as I understand it, we've got a great uh, debt of gratitude to uh, Ratna Prabha, who really looked into into these means of uh, unification some time ago. And what he had to say was that um, to share in the same priorities was a kind of translation. So there's there's something to do with these two words, one that means same and one that means good. And different people have kind of made different things of that. My take on it uh, is really to do with trying to be consistent, uh, trying to be consistent within myself, trying to be consistent from day to day, but also trying to be consistent with other people. Uh, And a large part of my going for refuge for a lot of years, really, has been through my family and through my work and through the local community. So um, when Ratnaguna asked yesterday, so you were ordained in 1994, what have you been doing since then? <laughs> because a lot of people don't know me or don't know me well. I've been out there doing outreach stuff with my family and the local community and my work. So I'm going to say something about that in a minute. But just on this idea of consistency, um, consistency in trying to observe the precepts is a major kind of plank of what I've been trying to do. And when I'm working with other people that haven't come across the Dharma, people at work, for example, either patients or people in the organisation, a whole raft of different levels, I've borne in mind that, in a way, there's only one precept, and that is to not cause harm, not cause harm to living beings. And the other precepts, whether there's five, ten, or however many, are particular examples or sort of expositions of that one main precept. And in medicine, I'm not a medic, I'm a psychologist, but in medicine, people are often taught, well, if you can't do any good, at least do any, don't do any harm. And I've really borne that in mind, trying at least to not cause any harm. I work in a healthcare system that, unfortunately, sometimes inadvertently does cause harm. Uh, and uh, towards the end, I'll give you a couple of examples of where it's not gone right for me. But before that trying to be consistent, trying to be reliable. Um, Bhante's talked about this in a way, trying to be reliable in the sense that you're the same when you're talking with somebody face-to-face as when you're behind their back. You're trying to be the same. And what are we trying to do? We're trying, in a sense, to create a sangha or create the conditions where people might be drawn to uh, a sangha. Making friends with people, establishing friendly links, um, showing an example. 
I'm not sure that I could claim to be an exemplar, uh, but at least I've tried to set an example in the things that I've done. Whether I'm communicating with people or teaching people or seeing patients or working with my family, uh, and those of you that have got families know that you know, it is work at times. <laughs> I've got boys, uh, uh, I've got four boys, one of whom is still at home, uh, the youngest one, there is something about birth order, the youngest one has caused my wife and I more angst, more heartache, more worry, more concern than the others all put together. But things are coming good at last, I'm pleased to say. So, um, uh, I, I, I'm a psychologist, uh, give you a bit of background. Um, I wasn't always a psychologist, I've done a whole range of different things. Um, I've worked in a, a, a grocery shop, I've worked in a supermarket, I've done a milk round. Uh, I've spent 10 years as an aircraft engineer, so, uh, so, so, so I've got something in common in terms of engineering as a background. And I used to get irritated when people thought I was a mechanic. <laughs> because, you know, if you're an engineer, you think you're, you're a bit better than that, really. I was a systems diagnostician. I used to try and work out what was wrong when the aircraft came back with flaws and faults. And to cut a long story short, that's what I ended up trying to do with people when I became a psychologist, working out what was wrong and trying to help them. Uh, and uh, now, what's any more of that? that uh, time's pressing. <coughs> right. So, what have I worked doing? Uh, in, in the health service. Well, I've worked in primary care, I've worked in drug and addiction services, drug and alcohol services, I've worked with older adults, um, I've worked across the board in trying to set um, a department up and, and run it. And I've come across all manner of people in different situations. I'll just give you a flavour of some of the things that I've done. When I was working in um, Thameside, I was one of the people that was instrumental in setting up a needle exchange scheme for people that were addicted to, uh, in those days, heroin. Uh, I've done uh, classes through my work where I've tried to introduce people to meditation. Well, I haven't tried, I have done. Uh, we had a scheme when I worked in North Manchester where uh, you could, as a member of staff, do something... Um, as long as it was for yourself, that was kind of related to health, they would give you a bit of time off to do it. Um, if you spent half an hour of your time, they would give you half an hour. And I managed to get £500 out of them and bought a lot of cushions, just like the ones over there, and used to teach staff meditation in my lunch break. I've uh, also taught meditation as part of the kind of work that I do where I co-run um, a chronic pain management programme. I work with a physiotherapist and an anaesthetist in helping people with really severe chronic pain. And I've rewritten, since I've been involved in the programme, uh, almost the entire kind of psychological side of it, which is the biggest part of it, uh, in terms of uh, mindfulness, awareness, training and meditation and so forth. The first thing I did when I got ordained was to take my name on wholeheartedly and I was presadu wherever I could be, especially at work. It's always been a talking point. <laughs> I 
One of the things that happened when I was, um, at one point I was appointed as a, an associate director on a trust board. So I sat on the executive team and I was part of the, um, well, the group of people that ran that trust. And the first time I met the non-executive directors, one of them was, as so many people have been, curious about my name, Dharmachari Prasadu. Uh, so, you know, where does that come from? How, how come you've got a name like that when you look and sound the way you do? Uh, and I said, well, it was when I was ordained. It was when I became Prasadu. Uh, I was given that name. Ah, right, right, right. It's because I'm Buddhist. Oh, you're a Buddhist, so that's your Buddhist name. Right, he said. What's your real name? I said, it's Prasadu. No, 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 no. The name, you know, your proper name. I said, it's Prasadu. No, 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 he said. What was the name that you had when you were born? I said, well, when I was born, I didn't have a name. <laughs> and he realised he wasn't going to get any further. So we just sort of gently went and spoke to other people. <laughs> but I have tried to be consistent wherever I've gone and whatever I've done. Uh, for a time, because of the children, I became a governor at the local school. I ended up being chair of governors for several years. And that gave me an opportunity to occasionally to go into the class uh, of y young, young children aged about sort of eight um, and, and tell them about Buddhism and teach a little bit about Buddhism. And it all seemed to be going really quite well. Um, but I did make a mistake. Um, and the mistake I made was I very enthusiastically, as well as talking about the three jewels, um, I told them in some detail the story of Angulimala. And um, one or two of the parents weren't too happy about that. Uh, in case you don't know, Angulimala uh, was a bit of a bad character who had a necklace made out of fingers of the people that he'd murdered. And um, I think the one or two people didn't think this was terribly appropriate. <laughs> but we live and learn. <laughs> As well as the things that I've mentioned, uh, I actually I run stress management courses for the trust, and these stress management courses, um, again, it's a ma I do that with one of the occupational health nurses, and a major part of that is helping people to understand and to try to put into practice um, being skillful, uh, uh, as well as working from the right sort of motivations and being consistent. Uh, I encourage people to try and incorporate some of the Dharma into their ordinary everyday lives as healthcare uh, practitioners. And you know, it's tough at times, it really is hard because you're not always in the environment that you'd like to be in. People aren't always kind of kind and they're not always um, practicing kindly speech and understanding and so forth. And not least of which, uh, when you're in a family situation with teenage boys, they're certainly not always speaking in a kind way and being positive. And they don't do a whole lot sometimes in encouraging you to live to your ideals. It's almost as if they're sent by Mara to try and do the opposite. And it has been a tremendously challenging time uh, working consistently within the family. I keep using that word because it's what I try to do. I try to be me wherever I go. Uh, and it's not, always, it's not always 
nice to realise that part of me uh, is a person who, you know, gets irritable and gets a bit shouty and, you know, loses it from time to time. Uh, and I can be extremely critical. There was a time when I could match the kids, but now they're all as tall as me, but they're a lot younger and they're rugby players and they're also quite bright. And uh, my wife delights in telling me from time to time, you can't do it anymore, you know, they, they more than match you. Uh, and as I've mentioned my wife, Christine, um, again, it provides a real challenge when I kind of fall down, as I do. Um, and Christine almost delights in pointing it out and saying, you're supposed to be a Buddhist. You're not supposed to behave like that. <laughs> it's really, really hard. You know, when somebody says to you, as you're getting a bit angry, somebody says, uh, you know, there's no need to get angry. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not getting angry. And they say, oh, uh, holier than thou. Of course, eventually. Uh, this is the kind of thing that happens to me in the family situation. So it's been hard. Uh, another thing I did want to mention about um, work is that um, I, I'm, I'm a member of the chaplaincy team at work as well. It's something that I sort of do in my spare time, really. I'm a Buddhist chaplain for the trust that I work for. And um, one of the people I met there is um, an ordained Anglican. He was the person that was really in charge of the chaplaincy. And we became really good friends. He's kind of, he's an Anglo-Catholic, so he's, he's quite high church. And I had the um, delightful, delightful opportunity not long ago of um, inviting Martin to um, come along with me to visit the centre, which he did. He came along to the last group of people that were made mitras. And uh, he sat at the back and it was just a really nice thing to do to share with him, um, you know, a bit of my world in, in it. I've, talk to him about it but he could see for himself and um, you, you remember those of you that were there how long ago it was um, I can't because I'm you know starting to have problems with remembering things beyond yesterday but um, <laughs> it was only the day before yesterday that um, Martin said to me do you know I've been thinking about that time that he, I came to the, the Buddhist centre and he was clearly extremely impressed and he pointed out why, in particular the Sangha and, as he called it, the modernity. And he was absolutely singing everyone's kind of praises um, and delighting in, in what he saw. So I'm trying to introduce, you know, the <clears throat> sorts of things like the, the Dharma and the teachings and the Sangha and so on, as broadly and as widely and as consistently uh, as I can. And as... I've got to that point where I now want to share with you um, a couple of things that have not gone right. Some years ago, when I was much um, junior, much more junior in my kind of profession, it was 20 years ago, probably, uh, I encountered two different individuals at two separate times. One person came to me, uh, who was a psychiatrist, and asked if they could just have a chat with me because they were bothered and they weren't feeling well. But 
as a condition of talking with them, they extracted from me uh, an absolute pledge that I wouldn't divulge what they were going to tell me. And in those days, um, I wasn't as clear as I am now about the difference between something that is confidential, something that's private, and something that's secret. And a similar thing happened with a director of, of a trust who I knew as a friend. And this director said something similar. Can I just, you know, talk to you? Can I share with you something that, you know, is really kind of troubling me? And they both said at different times, there were several years between, uh, and there were different trusts, quite unconnected, but here is the connection. Um, they both said that they felt as though life wasn't worth living, that, you know, they just didn't want to carry on. They felt so wretched. Now, one of the people who was the psychiatrist, I saw on a Friday, and I was concerned, but I wanted to stick to my promise, so I arranged to see them on Monday morning. Uh, and unfortunately, over the weekend, the psychiatrist committed suicide. Now, the director, who'd extracted a similar kind of um, undertaking from me, uh, I was concerned about them, so I actually told the chief executive of the trust about my concerns. And through that, um, I lost a friendship. So, there's two examples of things that have gone really badly wrong for me where I misjudged a situation. In trying to do my best, what I learned from that was it's not good enough to be well-motivated and to mean well. You really do have to be skillful at the same time. But what Banti says is that as well as rejoicing in our successes uh, and confessing our failings. Really, we should not dwell on things to the point where we are crippled by them or we're handicapped by them. We need to always operate from where we are and do our best and to display some resilience and to just keep plugging away from wherever we are, just trying to be kind and trying to be resilient and not rejoicing too long in the things that we think we've done well and not being, you know, crippled and uh, too upset for the things that don't go right. <laughs> I've caught the signal, <laughs> so I'll stop there. Okay.